0: Let's listen to Matt Reister, Director of Christian Crusaders and the Cedar Falls Bible Conference.
1: Today we're going to be in John chapter 18, verses 1 through 11. This is where Jesus will be betrayed and arrested, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, that is, after Jesus had finished the high priestly prayer that we covered in three sections in chapter 17, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. We haven't heard Judas' name for a couple chapters since he left the upper room after the Lord's Supper and went out to do what he was meant to do, that is to betray Jesus. Now Judas is back on the scene. We're going to see his name a couple more times at least. Verse 3. So, Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. So, there's a few details about this that might be good to cover so we understand better what's going on. First of all, the arresting party would not have been the Romans. The Romans are the ones who ultimately crucified Jesus, but the arresting party, the ones who have the grievance against Jesus, are the Pharisees and the chief priests. They came with soldiers because there might be some kind of an armed resistance. I'm sure that happened with other people who were being arrested, and they had lanterns and torches so that they could see during the nighttime. Verse 4, and this is a big one. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? So, You and I probably understand by now that Jesus is both fully God and fully man. Sometimes we wonder, how much of his godness did he have while he was man? For example, God is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere all the time. Jesus didn't have that attribute of godness while he was on earth because he was just a man and he was only in one location at any given time. The same question could be asked about how much did Jesus actually know did Jesus know that things were going to play out the way that they played out during his three years of ministry on earth? We get some glimpses that Jesus knew what was in people's hearts. Was that knowledge just isolated to specific events, or did he always know what was in everyone's heart? Furthermore, what did Jesus know about what was going to happen to him on the cross or in the events leading up to that? Well, right here in verse 4, it says that Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward. This indicates that Jesus knew all that would happen, to him. So the story we read in scripture about his betrayal, his arrest, the flogging, the crucifixion. And by the way, all we read is the Notes. We don't read the entire account. I'm sure it was much more violent, much more terrible than we can even imagine. Jesus knew on the front end that this was coming. Yet, as we'll see, he willingly hands himself over. He rebukes anybody who would stand in the way of him handing himself over. And it's even more incredible when you consider that this guy never committed a sin. This guy left heaven to go through this for a bunch of sinful, obstinate, in it, opposed to God, people like us. Verse 5 after Jesus asks whom do you seek, they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. And when Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Now, this is another remarkable portion of this account. Jesus is willingly giving himself over, but he is not going down like a coward. When he says, I am he, this is another not so thinly veiled claim of deity. You might remember back in John 8:58. You should go back and listen to that devotion if you haven't. When Jesus, says before abraham was i am i mean those were fighting words of the highest order and right here when he says i am he it sends a little bit of a ripple effect through the guys who are arresting him it says they drew back and fell to the ground was it because they were so mad that he again said that he was god was it because the power of him saying that he was god knocked him down i don't know but jesus is not going out like a wimp here he's not trying to soft pedal what he's been saying he's doubling down and he's going to triple down here Verse 7, So he asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. He's talking, of course, about his disciples. There's no need, guys, to arrest these as well because you found the one who you're looking for, me. So take me, let them go. And verse nine clarifies what this is all about. It says, this was to fulfill the word that he had spoken, quote, of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one. And this is something he refers to back in chapter 17. Of the disciples who God gave him on earth during that time of ministry, not one of them was lost. All of them were kept, all of them were faithful, of course, except Judas, but Judas was never truly given to him in the sense that Judas was going to be a spiritual protege who would carry on the message of the gospel the way that the other eleven would. Verse 10, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? This, too, is interesting. It's in another gospel where the account of Jesus healing Malchus' ear comes out. So we don't get that detail here, but one thing we do get is some insight into why Jesus told Peter to put his sword away. Some have suggested that the reason Jesus said this is because Jesus is categorically against violence, or that Jesus is categorically against self-defense, or that Jesus is categorically against military-like Engagement Based on this text in John, I would say that that's not the case at all. Rather, Jesus tells Peter to put the sword back in the sheath because Jesus needs to get to the cross. I mean, after all, if you read through the book of Revelation, when Jesus comes back, it's going to be with a sword. And there's going to be lots and lots of violence against those upon whom God's judgment rests. That is, anyone who doesn't know and trust in Jesus Christ. So no, this whole put your sword back in the sheath episode is not an anti-violence passage. Sophistic statement this is a statement that is very practical and pragmatic peter put it away because right now i can't have you keeping me from drinking this cup that is going to the cross to ultimately fulfill the thing that i came here to do i don't know about you but the overarching sentiment that i'm left with as i think about jesus in this text is inspiration what a man This guy is a dog, and I'm saying D-A-W-G dog. Some of you don't know what that means. It means a stud. Some of you don't know what that means. It means the man, tougher than nails, unwavering in the face of the greatest opposition any human has ever experienced on the planet. One, he's willingly handing himself over. Two, in the process of doing that, he's not backing down from one of the claims that he's made that has put him in this position. Yes, I am God, here I am, go ahead and kill me. This is the whole reason I came for. Judas, you don't win the day. Peter, put your sword away, and I'm going to go through with this because my father loves people so much that this is the plan he designed for some of those people to be reconciled to him by having their sin removed through faith in me. That is awesome. That's a man who's worthy of worship, and that's a man worthy of building one's life around. Lord, would you help us build our lives around Jesus Christ? We pray it in his name. Amen.
0: This is The Daily Dose, a podcast of Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministry. Please subscribe on Apple, Google, or Spotify podcasts or download the free Christian Crusaders app and share with a friend. Also, perfectly consider supporting our ministry at ChristianCrusaders.org, where you can find our weekly 30-minute radio broadcast, airing on stations around the world since 1936, and where you can listen to our Conversations podcast featuring inspiring interviews with interesting Christians. Special thanks to our Daily dose sponsor, The Family Leader. God designed three social institutions, the family, the church, and government. At The Family Leader, they are bringing all three together, honoring God and blessing our neighbors. Learn how and join them at thefamilyleader.com. We also want to highlight another special ministry partner, the Cedar Falls Bible Conference. Check out conference videos and schedule of events online at cedarfallsbibleconference.com. Thank you for listening and may God richly bless you.